We don't know for sure if Mottview canceled worship during the 1918 flu pandemic. We've been looking for the Zoom meeting records, but so far nothing's turned up. But even if they did, we can be pretty sure they did not celebrate communion from home like we will today. No, never before has Mottview's communion table looked so interesting. The kitchen tables of the Batch Elders and the Belsleys pushed up against the Dapper's coffee table, next to Kyle and Laura's dining table, next to John and Paul's hot tub. Don't ask. All across the metro area, from Lakewood to Littleton and beyond, we're adding leaf after leaf to one great communion table of welcome and grace. And since we're making a little Mottview history, I thought it would be good to reflect on what exactly communion is. I want to explore the question, what do we think we're doing when we do communion? The Catholic Church has seven sacraments. The Presbyterians, being more orderly and efficient by nature, got it down to two, baptism and communion. The great theologian of the fourth century, St. Augustine, he had a list of more than 300 sacraments. He was also the first to describe a sacrament as a visible sign of an invisible grace. Communion is a visible sign of an invisible grace. In other words, there's more here than meets the eye. Our text this morning is from the book of Acts, a kind of history book of the early church. And it tells us that the first Christians devoted themselves to four things, teaching, fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread in this case wasn't quite communion the way we think of it, the formal words spoken by the minister during church. Instead, it took place during what they called an agape feast. Agape is the ancient Greek word for the highest form of love, and we have letters and other records that describe how the early Christians, as part of this meal, would break the bread in remembrance of their Lord. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, for example, he chastises them because at the Lord's Supper, some people aren't sharing their food with others, and others are drinking too much of the wine, which may be why they started using those little communion cups. But my favorite mention of, an early, of early communion actually comes from a non-Christian, Pliny the Younger who around the year 100 wrote a letter to the Roman emperor describing how the Christians would meet on a stated day in the early morning to address a form of prayer to Christ as to a divinity. And later in that day would, quote, reassemble to eat in common a harmless meal. So I suppose that's one answer to what we're doing when we do communion, just sharing a harmless meal. Years ago, just after graduating from seminary, I was at a Catholic church service with a friend, and it came time for communion, and the priest explained that communion was only for those who were Catholic, which ruffled my newly graduated feathers. No way was I going to let someone tell me who I, that I couldn't dine with Jesus. So I stood in line with everyone else, slowly making my way to the priest. And as I got nearer, I noticed that those in front of me seemed to cup their hands in front of them. So when it was finally my turn, that's what I did. The priest held up the wafer and said, the body of Christ. I said, yep, ready for it, lay it on me. But he didn't move. The body of Christ, he said again. Oh no, he was on to me. I had no idea what to do, so I just smiled that much bigger. Now. Those of you who were raised in the Catholic Church know that when the priest says the body of Christ, that's your signal to say amen. 
I didn't know that. And the exasperated priest, to his credit, gave me the wafer, along with a dirty look, and I slinked away. Now, just for the record, I, don't, I wouldn't do that again. As much as I might disagree with the message it sends to non-Catholics to exclude them from communion, I would now respect the theology of the church in which I was a guest, just like I hope people respect our theology here. But I tell this story because it surprised me just how insistent, how determined I was not to be denied this harmless meal. It felt really important to me, even if I couldn't fully explain why. And I know I'm not the only one. Now that I have the privilege of serving communion to others, I get to witness how important that meal is to them. Often there are tears and reverence and joy and grief and gratefulness. Not always, of course. It can be hard to lose ourselves in the moment with all the people around and all the things we're worried about. And I'm sure communion often feels pretty ordinary. But isn't that like so much of life? How sitting on the back porch is just sitting on the back porch or watching children play is just watching children play until it isn't. Until the most ordinary thing, a rainstorm or a bird calling, a conversation you're having becomes, well, a visible sign of an invisible grace. There is more to this world than meets the eye. And while it's hard to find the words to describe that other dimension of the world sometimes, it's also hard to pretend it doesn't exist. There are just too many moments when the world shifts a little and we can sense something deeper going on. Looking at the stars or the rising moon can do it. Looking in to my dog's deep brown 13-year-old eyes, that can do it. Actually, all kinds of things can do it, which is why I so appreciate Augustine's 300 sacraments. I suspect that if we have eyes to see, it isn't hard finding something that feels holy. It's hard finding something that doesn't. And I believe that communion can be a powerful way of touching and tasting that holy world. I believe communion is our soul desiring union with God or Christ or God in Christ or the holy, whatever word you want to use for that thing we don't have a word for. And I believe that we really are fed spiritually by this meal. When we consume the risen Christ, that source of compassion and love and wisdom set loose in the resurrection, I think it's possible that he nourishes those places of compassion and love and wisdom in us. And we become just a little more Christ-like. I think it's entirely possible that communion not only unites us with Christ, but with each other as the body of Christ. And not just across Montview Church, but across the church, universal, present and past, almost like there's a connective tissue between us and the lifeblood of Jesus pumps through our collective body, uniting us and renewing us. I think it's even possible that communion unites us not just with other Christians, but with the whole of creation. Are we not all a part of God's beloved creation? Every person a child of God and every creature humming with the life force of its creator.
Christian communion is ultimately about something bigger than Christianity itself. It's about our union with everything. And maybe all of this sounds far-fetched, and I get that. And I think it's entirely possible that that doesn't really matter. I suspect that communion, like broccoli, does what it does, whether we believe it does or not. We just have to receive it, take and eat the most ordinary thing in the world. In these crazy days when we must love each other by avoiding each other, when we may be feeling more isolated and alone than ever, what a beautiful thing to think that we still have a way of being in union with our God and with each other and with the world. I find this idea to be inspiring and beautiful and powerful and hopeful and Well, I can think of all kinds of words. And funny, the one word that doesn't come to mind when I think of communion, harmless. Thanks be to God.